Some things shouldn't be transparent, like stop signs. But what you pay for should always be clear, like Hiller's true transparency pricing, always clearly itemized and never any hidden fees. Because you have the right to know what you're paying for. For more information, visit happyhiller.com slash true transparency pricing. Happy you'll be of the services free. Call the Happy Face Truck today. Show this day that the Lord has made finds you and yours doing as well as humanly possible. And my DMs are always wide open at Jmart Zone. For a faith-based conversation. If not me, I hope you find somebody you trust. Couldn't possibly be more important. So tonight, I've got a little bit of gray in my hair, but I, if, I feel like by the end of this hour, I might just have full gray hair because I'm going straight up Peter Griffin, grind my gears, at least for a large part of tonight's show. And this is my final show of the week. We'll have some racing for you for the next two nights, and then you'll catch me this weekend on the Jason Martin Show and Squared Circle Radio. And then next week... I will be in Monday through Friday on Fox Sports Radio in for Clay Travis on Outkick the Coverage. So you'll get plenty of me next week, plus the Big Six will be on as well. But I want to talk about some things that shouldn't exist. I do a segment from time to time called Why Is This a Thing? And you could pretty much just play that music for the first 30 minutes of the show. And I teased this, and I told you, yesterday on the program to go ahead and make plans to be here tonight because and I'm going to do it in the next segment my annual ESPYs takedown is coming up because it's still a thing that exists and until it's a thing that doesn't exist I'm going to continue to rant about it on a yearly basis but I want to start and I want to talk about last night's all-star game in Major League Baseball record low overnight rating for that game that's coming off an awesome home run derby. And that HRD actually also did a low number. And so I would sit here and I would just kill baseball as a sport. And maybe I'll get there, but I don't really need to do that. The NBA All-Star Game numbers were way down this year. The Pro Bowl numbers keep dropping by the year. I mean, they still do well, hashtag because football. But in seven of the last eight years, the Pro Bowl numbers have dropped as well. So there are always questions out there. How do we make the All-Star game better? How do we make it so that they care? That this is more than an exhibition where people actually might try to play defense. But there are never any stakes. Well, they tried stakes. We'll get there too. But maybe the answer to how to fix the All-Star game problems across all of American pro sports is just not to have all-star games at all. For baseball last night, though, there is a bigger issue, and that is the continuing reality that outside of hardcore real baseball honks, nobody really knows who any of these guys are, with a couple of exceptions. And I'm going to go back to an argument I made earlier this week about baseball cards. When I was growing up, one of by far the best parts of my week were the mornings where I could convince my dad to stop at a convenience store on the way to taking me. It wasn't kindergarten. I guess it was like a daycare or a day camp thing. It really wasn't daycare. Pick me up a pack or two of baseball cards there, maybe a little bit of candy. And so I collected baseball cards. I would take those couple of packs and I would take them there. We would open them up and a couple of my friends would do the same thing. And we'd sit there and maybe we'd trade cards. But it was a big deal. It was huge. I remember, and I had to make that call. Am I going to go Fleer today? Am I going to go Donruss today? Am I going to go Tops today? 
And then Upper Deck came around and really changed the game. But I'm sitting there and I'm putting them in binders and I'm putting them in sleeves, the whole nine yards. And I'll bet you I'm not alone. I bet you're listening to me right now, remembering how cool baseball cards were. Right along that same line, how many athlete posters did you have growing up? And how many athlete posters do you see on people's walls today, kids' walls today? Depending on where you lived, who knows? But I I would imagine that more of my friends had a Michael Jordan poster on their wall than didn't have one. And then there were varying NFL guys. I remember one of my friends had a Bo Jackson poster on the wall. There were all these, and there were such iconic posters that you actually could remember the pose if you stopped and thought about it long enough. It would be a jump shot for Larry Bird, and I believe it was a right-to-left shot where the camera was actually right there in his face off the angle. I'm pretty sure I had that one. I also had a Celtic shirt because I was a big Larry Bird fan growing up. So there was all of this stuff surrounding sports and the collectible market that seems now to exist only on Pawn Stars and Antiques Roadshow. So let me tell you how I measure popularity as it relates to a sport to me. And I think this is a good metric that you could use as well. If you are to ask me, or if I were to ask you, who are the all-stars in baseball? If I can at least rattle off 15 or 20 guys that should technically be at least in the vicinity of right answers, your sport might be in trouble. So if you ask me that to, that question right now about baseball, no way I would get to 10 unless I just started naming starting pitchers because you do know a lot of starting pitchers. But think about that question if I asked, how many football players, or give me 50 of the best players in the NFL right now. You might not give me 50, but if I gave you time to think and write it down, you could. Or give me 30 in the NBA. Yeah, there's less there than in the NFL, but the answer quantity in order probably explains where that sport is in the hierarchy of the country. Think about it. How many football players could you name? Basketball players, baseball players, and hockey players in America. And I think I just went in that order. You could name the most number of NFL players, second most number of NBA players, third of MLB, and far less NHL, even though I think that the NHL number might be catching up to baseball that number might be shrinking for me golf would rank above all but nfl and nba and here's another way to look at that the condition of the college sport also matters because how many college football players can you name college basketball players college hockey players i mean really i mean alex doherty might chris martell might but not us not outside of a few guys. And college baseball players, if you didn't live here or weren't a Vanderbilt alum or a Vanderbilt grad, if you lived somewhere else in the country, how many Vanderbilt players could you have named before the College World Series? Or you know what? As you're watching the College World Series, could you make sure could you even have pronounced all of those names properly? It's name recognition. You can't go to college sports just because it turns over every year. But those college names become pro names. And the condition of the sport, I think, continues to sort of rattle around the number of guys that you can pull out of the top of your head to explain that. But back to the All-Star games themselves, they're nothing more than exhibitions. And any idea to try and make them matter is futile and stupid. You remember the MLB concept where they're giving the American League or the National League representative in the World Series home field advantage based on the winner of the All-Star game? 
Yeah, no. Because that was ridiculous. It was a transparent attempt to try to make you care about a game where it just shouldn't matter because it doesn't matter. So here's what we can do. We can give these guys the honor. We can give them a trophy or whatever else. If they need a break and the break itself is important, then we can still give them the time off and send them to a city for skills competitions. When is the last all-star game that you actually cared about watching the game itself? Not the slam dunk contest. I love that every year. Even when it's bad, I'm still excited for it. Not the three-point shootout, not the home run derby that we saw on Monday night, not the NHL skills challenges, which I usually find pretty daggone entertaining. What's the last all-star game itself that you just couldn't wait to see? For me, it was probably a rock and jock basketball game on MTV where Flea was shooting 10-point, three-point shots from like 30 feet out. It's been a minute because I have a hard time investing hours in something I know ultimately does not count. So give them the honors and you can give them the trophies and set up the skills challenges. Let's see who can throw the football through the tire more often than another guy. Make this thing a party. People are not watching these things the way they used to. And yeah, Fox won the night last night in the ratings, but that's a low bar that they're trying to tout today. They're talking about for the X amount of year in a row, we won the night with the All-Star game. I mean, okay, whatever. And then you've got the injury risk on top of everything else. But again, I'm telling you, outside of like a rock and jock game where Dan Cortez was doing his thing and introducing, I don't know, the RZA to play second base in a, in a charity softball game, I can't recall the, the last exhibition-style sporting event of an all-star variety taking place in the middle of the season that actually interested me more than on a tertiary basis. Like, if it's on and I'm doing nothing else, okay, I'll tune in. But I'm not going out of my way. I might even DVR it, but I'm I'm not going to go out of my way to watch it because no defense is going to be played. There's no real pride in it. Maybe the fourth quarter of the all-star game in the NBA can be entertaining they try to say that they try in the Pro Bowl. I don't care. There's been exactly one great Pro Bowl, two great Pro Bowl moments in history. One, Brian Mormon being lit up by the late, great Sean Taylor. And the other, Peyton Manning talking about his idiot kicker getting liquored up. The Mike Vanderjack quote from way back. That's the only two things that I remember from the Pro Bowl whatsoever. Give them the trips. Put them out there to have a little bit of fun. But stop with the All-Star games themselves. Because they're wastes of time. They're not going to go away because they can be showcases, but no one watches this anymore. Nobody watches these showcases anymore, and so you just basically end up, I don't know, getting sort of half-assed attempts at best from the people out there that you're watching. And I asked the question after the home run derby, does this make you more or less interested in watching the all-star game or the second half of the baseball season? Because people were just raving about the home run derby and it was all time great. 40 to 39 in that second round with Jock Peterson and with Vlad Jr. was epic. And then the final was very good as well. But then the all-star game did record low numbers last night. And I don't think a whole lot of people are clamoring for the second half of the baseball season because there's still another thousand games left to play before we get to the penance before we get to what's going to happen in the postseason and football's coming. And once football comes, baseball recedes away unless there's a storyline like the Cubs and the Indians a few years ago, which does not happen very often.
So it's time to get rid of the all-star games. That's the way to fix them. Otherwise, we might as well just stay quiet, let them happen, and move on from it. I usually don't say you're wrong if you like something. That's always been my mantra. If you read my stuff at the Big Six blog, if you've ever listened to the Pop Six or Outkick the Culture or anything I've ever done regarding pop culture, I always say the same thing. I, if I don't like something, I say, I hope you disagree with me. No, I don't need you to agree with my negativity. If there's something that does not work for me, I hope it works for you. I don't want to see anybody waste their time. There's too many options out there, and there's too much stuff that you could be doing. Plus, I don't need anybody to have a negative opinion. That's no good. So I'm not going to tell you don't watch the All-Star game. I'm saying they should not have them, in my personal opinion. But if you like them, great. And if you do like them, tell me why you like them. Did you watch last night? Did you dig that? 615-737-1045 is our telephone number. Ryan Mudd behind the glass, spinning the dials radio style for me tonight. 737-1045. When we come back, my annual rant. Something that flat out should not exist that's on television again tonight that actually starts. There's a countdown right now in front of me on the screen. 46 minutes away from the single most meaningless award show in the history of meaningless award shows. We'll be right back to talk about it here on the Big Six, 104.5 The Zone. Zone. We'll tease Leon for you here as we roll along on a Wednesday here in the Music City, the Big Six, 104.5 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin on Twitter at jmartzone, 737-1045. That's how you reach this program. We've got a couple of calls. I've got my SB rant coming up. But let's take some calls. Let's go to Portland. We'll talk to Joey. I think he might have dug last night's game. Joey, what you got? What's up, Jay Mark? <laughs> and yes, I did. I grew. I'm. I'm. I'm in the millennial range, but I'm in that older millennial. I'm. I'll be 32 this year. So I grew up with the Mark McGuire and the Sammy Sosa era. But I dig the almost like last night's game. The pitchers do the small ball. I can't stand. It seems like every five minutes somebody's hitting a home run. That, to me, is destroying the game more than small ball. Just make contact with the ball. Get on base. It's like they always say, get them on, get them over, get them in. That's really what the game of baseball is to me, not uh, hitting all the home runs this year. I mean, they're already on pace to break a record again for the most home runs hit this year. And last night's game, I truly loved it because it it was a good game, in my opinion, and I just I like the the small ball aspect of it. Fair point. Do you think baseball is in trouble as a sport or are you still thoroughly satisfied with the product? What you just said about home runs, it's either home runs or strikeouts. Those are the two things you're seeing a lot in baseball these days, but, but what can save baseball if you think baseball is in trouble? I'd actually, I do think it is in trouble. And I, you know, Jay Mart, if I had that answer, I'd be a millionaire, but I mean, and, and another thing is that, I'm Pat, you were talking about trading cards. I've got boxes and boxes, binders and binders, sleeves and sleeves like you do. And I'm passing that along to my son. So every time we go to the store, he's 10 and he can probably tell you more facts about baseball than anybody I know. And every time we go to the store, hey, daddy, can I get a box? Of, can I get a, 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 a thing of yeah. um, tops cards or can I get some baseball or football, whatever? But I mean, I'm just, I'm passing along to him and, he loves it, but and he's like kind of like me. He or he's actually opposite of me. He'd rather see the home runs than the small ball. Appreciate it, Joey. I, you know, there's a bigger question, maybe about 
are kids these days still collecting things? And then what are they collecting if they're collecting things? Because it seems like every story you read about kids now is is them playing Minecraft or them on YouTube watching videos of other people doing stuff instead of them doing stuff. So I don't know, like, I mean, you know, little girls used to get Cabbage Patch Kids, and we used to have G.I. Joes and Transformers, and, and I'm naming things I had. I never had many G.I. Joes. I was more of a Transformers guy. It was Transformers, and it was baseball cards and things of that nature. I, and then I guess there was that crew that was a little bit younger than me or that hadn't been born at that point in time that it was Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh and things like that. But it was still trading cards, magic cards. Maybe that's still a thing. Are people still collecting anything, like at all, outside of older people that are like nostalgia collections, new stuff? Is it still being collected? Because cards don't seem to be much of anything anymore except for people my age who are still trying to recapture it. But that's a that seems to be a dwindling market. Nate in East Nashville is up next. Nate, how are you? I'm good, man. How are you? Good. Hey, yeah, I just had a couple of thoughts on the All Star Game, especially baseball. Uh, I, I, you go back to when Rose ran over Ray Foss, right? In like what seventy or seventy one? Yeah. yeah. And even though Foss had a great career after that, that was kind of like okay, that was too much for the stakes of the game. Sure. Right, and but before that, there was actually some real hatred between the NL and AL. So now we, what interleague plays pretty much destroyed it though, right? That was my next point. So you know, we used to have just two chances every year, right? To see players from the AL and the NL play each other. The all-star game in the series. Yep. So now that's, that's a lot of novelty loss for the American league and the National League playing the all-star game because we see them play what each what, 30 games a year. Right. right. Now, now, I think you make a really good point, Nate, and that's actually something that I talked about yesterday, was that interleague play has made – there was a time when Braves and Cubs, I saw all the time, Braves fan, me, but you also sort of kind of quietly didn't mind to see Cubs doing well, Ryan Sandberg, uh, Andre Dawson, Mark Grace – the Don Zimmer-led Cubs club. That was the one that I grew up watching on TV. And then, I, I mean, I was a Braves guy. But so much of the American League, you never got to see. Like ESPN, I don't remember baseball being on ESPN. There was a time when it was not, for instance. And so on the weekends, I'd be at my grandfather's house or something. And the Detroit Tigers would be playing the Chicago White Sox. And I would sit there dumbfounded. Because I didn't know who any of these people were outside of baseball cards. And then I cared because I had looked at Lou Whitaker on a baseball card. And so watching him on the field with the Detroit Tigers stood out to me. And it made, you know, it made a lot of sense at that point in time for me to be invested in what was going on. But I think that there is definitely something to be said for interleague play making the novelty or the unique nature of getting to see teams that you otherwise wouldn't get to see. And you could actually go further than just interleague play and talk about the exposure to all of these teams. I'm not talking about MLB extra innings, but you could go there. But maybe you could add in just the idea that ESPN's got it, and Fox has got it, and there's the MLB network, and then there are the networks from time to time. There's so many places you can go and so many teams. I mean, think about the fact that we used to watch Braves on TBS – And they decided, no, we're going to go with a national game of the week. To me, that was the end of an era, and it made me sad. 
but I think it also exposed a lot of other teams. Then you have your Fox Sports Southeast and then all of these different means that you can stream with. And so we can see all these teams, and we've seen them play 162 games. So what is the draw anymore to an all-star game? What is the draw anymore to the World Series when we see all these teams and all these players match up against one another anyway? John in Hendersonville is up next to you on the Big Six. John, what's up? Hey. So I'm listening to you guys and um, how to fix the problem and everything. I have a great solution on how to fix baseball and get to know some players. Okay. What you got? So how about this? You know, I understand, you know, it'll be a lot to go on, but you get the, like, for example, down in Atlanta, I know you're a great guy. Mm-hmm. Go Cubs, though. Yeah, okay. Um, but with that all being said, for example, if the Braves are on, like, an eight-game stretch of being away, why doesn't the MLB say, hey, Tampa Bay, hey, Chicago, come play in Atlanta? That's how you get more players. Yes, I understand it's pointless, but it's a hell of a lot better than playing London. Yeah. Okay. Do you have another one or is that, was that your point? That's my point. Okay. I mean, you can, the problem there is it may not be as big a deal in Atlanta. I mean, SunTrust is a fun place to go, but there's a lot of these yards that aren't selling tickets for the hometown team. You're telling me you're going to bring in the Oakland athletics into Tampa, for instance, and people are going to pay to see that they're not paying to see their own guys. Maybe they would come, like, if you went to Atlanta and you put the Yankees there, that's one thing. This is like, think about the Charlotte Hornets or like a small NBA team like that. The Charlotte Hornets, if you go through, you know what? Memphis is a great example. Brandon Hagney and David Reed and I, we had talked about going to a Grizzlies game for a couple of years. And so we look on StubHub or whatever just to see what's going on. And ticket prices for 98% of those games. We could have gone and saw Grizzlies Hawks for 10 bucks. We could have seen... Grizzlies T-Bulls for 12 bucks or whatever. Then it's like Grizzlies Warriors, $117. Grizzlies Cavs, and I'm talking a couple years ago when LeBron was still there, $150. So there are a couple of teams that you would go pay to see instead of your own team just so you can see stars. But baseball, I don't think that you have that kind of behemoth there outside of maybe a Yankees or a Red Sox, maybe a Dodgers, maybe a Cubs but not a whole lot of them. So I don't know that you could fill up small markets with a lot of these teams. It would have to be specific matchups. And why would those teams give up that revenue in whatever city they were going to be in or their own city to play somewhere else? The other thing is the word all-star itself connotes that these guys are stars. Folks, I don't know what your favorite television show is or your favorite movie is, but think about one that's not your favorite. There is still a lead actor or a lead actress in every one of those shows that you don't like, every one of those movies that you don't like. Jonah Hex had Josh Brolin in it. Jonah Hex was a huge flop and was an awful movie. Josh Brolin, I guess, is technically a star. Imagine if Jonah Hex also had somebody you've never heard of in it. Just because that guy is the lead actor doesn't mean he's a star. Just because this guy is the best player on this franchise doesn't necessarily make him a marketable star. So when I hear all stars and I look around a baseball diamond and half of them are people that you wouldn't recognize if they came in wearing a shirt with their name on it, that's a problem in itself. 
is that there are so few recognizable stars in baseball and in some of these deals, and that makes the All-Star game much less enticing. So I continue to say the way to fix it is just not to do it. You can't fix an All-Star game in any sport. You can maybe tweak it and make it a little more interesting, but you're still not going to attract anybody that wasn't already going to come. That's like dropping Titans tickets. I'm just hypothetical. I don't know what the Titans ticket rate is right now, but just for the sake of argument, let's say that that ticket is 100 bucks. If I drop that ticket from $100 to $80, I don't think that's going to make much of a difference because if you're willing to pay 80, you're willing to pay 100. All the Titans are doing is giving up 20 bucks by doing that. There's a wrestler, there's a there's a pay-per-view argument for like boxing and things like that where Oh, you raised your prices from $29.95 to $39.95. What's that going to cost you? It's going to cost you nothing. And if you lower it from four, let's say you lower a boxing pay-per-view rate from $69.99 to $49.99. The amount of money that you will lose doing that is substantial because it's the action of paying to see something that matters in this case. And if you're willing to pay 50, you're willing to pay 70. But it requires star power. It requires something that I think baseball sorely lacks. We will get to that Espy's rant coming back. 615-737-1045 is the telephone number. I know a couple of people dropped off. You can call back. We'll get to you. We'll be right back. Big Six, 1045 The Zone. Zone. Welcome back to the Big Six here on 1045. The Zone little curveball for you. Jason Martin on Twitter at jmartzone. You can follow me there. 615-737-1045 is how you reach this program. You fix all-star games by eliminating all-star games. But I would watch all-star games for weeks before I would watch what's on television tonight. Now, I'm sure that there will be some clips put up and I will go and I'll watch some of these clips on social media. But this is my annual rant. And until this thing goes away, this rant will be very similar and it will sound exceedingly like something you've heard me say before. And it will happen every July right around this time. And I, you know what? I do think we need music for this. Now, the Big Six asks, why is this a thing? Yes, it begins at the top of the hour. The ESPY Awards. I'm watching the red carpet right now. Just saw P.K. Subban and Lindsey Vaughn. I'm looking at Odell Beckham Jr. here. I just saw Dana White and Daniel Cormier and Amanda Nunez. And all of these various. There's Drew Brees and his wife and children. Fantastic. Folks, can we please stop with this farce? 3.9 million people watched last year, but that's not a whole lot. And it's on ABC. Even though the College Football National Championship has to be on ESPN, this joint's going to be on ABC. These monologues, tonight is Tracy Morgan, so it actually might be entertaining because who knows what Tracy Morgan's going to do. Outside of Norm McDonald, usually these things are painful because if there's anybody that seems more sensitive than Hollywood actors and actresses, 
who can't take a joke about themselves, it would be athletes. Look at the reaction from athletes when they are the butt of jokes tonight. You can find memes of how people reacted in the past. Durant, I think, might have been joking with his. But go watch Norm McDonald's SB's monologue when he was the host and look at how many people he just buries and look at how many of them can't laugh at themselves. But there are good things about the ESPYs, I will say. The Jimmy V Foundation, the Arthur Ashe Courage Award, things like that. And those segments are good. The human interest pieces are usually very good. But the awards themselves, like the best male athlete and things like that, how in the world is this still a thing? Why is this a thing? Because in any other discipline that I can think of, think about movies, all right? Outside of box office money being made, Movies give out the Academy Awards because there are no other inherent honors given to actors, actresses, directors, producers, cinematographers, animators for their performances. That's the same story with the Emmys. It's the same with the Tonys and the Grammys and everything else. It's all just money made at the box office, and then you can give individual accolades. But in sports... Isn't this the one place where we don't need awards that exist simply to prop up a sports television network and a media company now? Because make no mistake, the ESPYs still exist to make ESPN a superstar and now ABC Disney, and that's really it. Because if you had to write, I'm looking at Drew Brees right now on screen. If you had to write a bio of Drew Brees, where exactly in that biography would two-time ESPY award winner be? Would it make your article at all? Did you have any idea he was a two-time ESPY award winner until I just said that? Would you remember it tomorrow if you had to with your life on the line? Would you have to look it up on Wikipedia? The answer's got to be yes, right? Because sports, folks, has these other awards. It has awards that others don't. And that's why the ESPYs existing is so baffling. There's these strange things in sports that are called championships. And then they have things called MVP awards, rookie of the year, comeback player of the year, defensive player of the year, offensive player of the year, the green jacket, the World Series, the Stanley Cup the Larry O'Brien Trophy, the Super Bowl, the WBC Championship, best in show for dogs, the UFC Heavyweight Championship, the Triple Crown, the Cy Young. Yeah, I wrote some of those down. All of those are awards for excellence. And then there are the actual league awards themselves. Back on June 24th, the NBA held its awards. Giannis Antetokounmpo was named NBA MVP. The SB for best male athlete, I would say, is on par with the Kids' Choice Awards from Nickelodeon, but at least if you win the Kids' Choice Award, you get slimed, and you can go back to a time when Double Dare and you can't do that on television were a thing. There's no slime here in the SBs. These are the single most unnecessary, ridiculous, bogus awards given anywhere. They're utterly meaningless. Can you imagine where LeBron James would put his SB for best male athlete alongside his trophies for other things he's done? 
This is the trophy that you end up putting in the bottom drawer, the junk drawer in the garage, or giving to like your fourth secretary at your agency. Because it's not going to have a space on the mantle. You would have to be an egomaniac of unbelievable level to actually feel like you also had to display the SB because it's another piece of hardware. How many athletes? You remember I was saying, did you know Drew Brees was a two-time SB award winner? Did Drew Brees know he was a two-time SB award winner? Tonight, until someone told him, or maybe he looked it up yesterday, his agent said, hey, remember, you've won two of these in the past. In case you forgot, in case they ask you on the spot. Do you really think he knows? There are so many awards already given out in sports because sports is a competition. That's the whole point of sports. Every game, there's a winner and a loser. This is not merely a performance. So I ask you, just like I ask you every year, please explain to me how the ESPY Awards is still a thing. I mean, I know why. To make money, to put people in front of a camera, and to make ESPN self-important for another night. But outside of the human interest stuff and the awards that are given out for heroism and things like that, what is the purpose of this? It's a farce. Why is this still a thing? Can we please be done with the ESPYs? We will be done with the big six, but not yet. We will next here on 104.5 The Zone. Jump. Final segment, Big Six, 104.5 Zone, Radiohead, The Trickster. We're brought to you by Renters Warehouse, dedicated to putting homeowners on the path to financial freedom through rent estate. Renting your home without having to do the hard stuff. Renters Warehouse, the rent estate company. I'm Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. You can follow me there. The SB starts at the top of the hour. I will not be watching. So I want to talk about, I want to talk about a little pop culture here. I'll be at the Coaches Forum, by the way, the Music City Center tomorrow from 11 to 1. If you're out there for that event, come by and say hi. This is my last segment of the week as racing will be with you the next couple of days. You'll hear me on the weekend on Fox Sports Radio, 2 to 5 a.m. on the Jason Martin Show, Sunday morning on Fox Sports Radio, then Squared Circle Radio, and then Monday through Friday next week, every day, you'll hear me in for Clay Travis along with Jeff Schwartz on Outkick the Coverage. So here's a crazy stat for you. I could just say, hey, Ryan, play the music, but I'm not going to do that to him because I see him like rolling back over across the glass thinking that I'm going to ask for him. Do you have the music in front of you? Go ahead and hit it. We're early. That's a producer right there, folks. That's a professional. He was able to roll over, slide in, and hit that for me, even though I did not tell him we were going to do this. And this is going to fade out because we have plenty of time here. But a Nielsen study from 2017-2018. Do you know how many minutes of Friends and The Office were watched by Netflix consumers, according to this study? For The Office, 45.8% billion minutes of the office were consumed 31.8 billion minutes of friends were consumed these are without question the two most watched shows on this service by a wide margin it's also interesting to note that others near the top of that list are ncis gray's anatomy and criminal minds so the stuff that ranks up high on the networks 
and that's an older audience, especially NCIS and Criminal Minds. Grey's Anatomy has its usual audience. But what you're seeing is even with all of this plethora of content that Netflix puts out there, it's friends in the office. And then it's a few of those CBS shows that skew older. So what does that mean for the future of Netflix? It doesn't mean good news because why I picked those two shows is because they're both going to be leaving Netflix relatively soon. Friends is out next year in 2020. The Office is out in 2021. The Office is headed to NBC Universal's new streaming platform. Friends is headed to HBO Max, which is going to be Warner Media's parallel effort. And what this means to you or to every consumer is that in order to have The Office and Friends, which are the two things most watched by Netflix viewers, you're going to need two new subscriptions to other streaming services that are going to cost you. So the question then becomes, if those are the two shows that you feel are indispensable in your life, do they replace Netflix or do you tack them onto Netflix and now you've got three different subscriptions? And then that opens up a larger problem, which is at what point does the barrier to entry for streaming reflect back on itself to where I might as well just get cable? Because, for instance... My Comcast service has Netflix. I have to have an account, but I can get it through that. So I don't need, you know, an Apple TV or an, or an Amazon Fire Stick or Roku or anything like that. It puts everything together in a hub. That's the whole point of cable is to make it all sort of right there for you. They also have Prime Video, I think, now on Comcast also. Hulu's not there yet, but you can imagine it probably gets there at some point. But do you really see the vast majority of consumers going for three different streaming services, or are some of them going to start to drop Netflix? Keep in mind that Netflix just paid $100 bucks to keep friends for 2019 because they knew what it would mean to lose friends in 2019. Even with all of this award-winning content that they're putting out there, whether it's BoJack or it's Orange is the New Black or for a while there, House of Cards, or right now, certainly Stranger Things, which... If you look at the numbers, they're outrageous. 40 million Netflix accounts have logged in at least a minute of Stranger Things Season 3. But those numbers are a little bit, they're a little bit phony. They're sort of real. I'm not going to go into the details of it. It's still impressive. Stranger Things is a huge, huge success. And right now you can read my review of the first two episodes of the new season. Went up this afternoon at the Big Six blog at 1045thezone.com slash Big Six blog. And I'm going to do three more pieces, one on three and four, then on five and six, and then on seven and eight. And you can look for those in the coming days. But once the office and friends leave, and it's not just them, because you start to think about all of these different services that you need in order to get all of what you want. This is why... If I love something, I still try to buy it in physical media. And I've kind of stopped just because I don't have the time to rewatch anything anymore. But I do have all of Friends on Blu-ray. When that came out, I bought it. Because I didn't want to be at the mercy of a $5 or a $10 or a $14.95 or a $6.95 or an $8.99 streaming service where it could change or where it could be taken off and just disappear for whatever reason. When I own it, I own it. When Friday Night Lights disappeared, I owned it because I bought that on DVD because it was important to me. 
you have to be real high up on that list to get there now. I haven't bought more than two DVDs in well over a year. But I want control of my content. I still want ownership of my content. The content that I want to see, I don't want to be beholding to people that can take it from me or where contracts can run out. But if you lose The Office and Friends, how much is Netflix going to lose? That is my question. Because, again, 45.8 billion Office minutes, 31.8 billion Friends minutes. I'm going to try to do math here. That is about 77 billion combined minutes of those two series that Netflix will not have at this time two years from now. And 31.8 that they won't have one year from right now. And they're going on other services, which are also going to charge money. And if you have Netflix simply because you want access to those two shows, then why would you keep Netflix? Netflix has a ton of money, even though they're continuing to raise their prices and they're actually canceling shows now. But what is the future for streaming if you have to sign up for 15 different streaming services to get all of your content? Look at DAZN. DAZN is looking at having an NBA-style Red Zone channel starting this year, which is the perfect year because the regular season's actually going to be great this year. But you look at that. That might be something DAZN might. You might need DAZN. If you're an MMA fan, you kind of need ESPN Plus right now. DAZN is also looking at NFL rights. All of these, what was it? I think it was Eisner. Michael Eisner said of ESPN and ABC and Disney, Huge, obviously, name in, in sports and in media for a long, long time. Michael Eisner has said that he believes that all major sports in America are going to be off of regular television within the next five to ten years. Which, at that point, to me, means that we're going to see the end of television as we know it. But how many different services are you going to have to pay to make up for that? Because one will get the NFL, one will get the NBA, one will get MLB, one will get NHL, one will get the PGA. If it's going to go that way, eventually you're subscribing to 15 different streaming services at, let's say, just an average of 10 bucks a piece. Then you're paying 150 bucks a month. What does that sound an awful lot like? It sounds an awful lot like cable, doesn't it? And so the a la carte deal is eventually going to start to hemorrhage one from the other. Look at various social media platforms right now. Twitter is losing impact. Facebook is still kind of steady because it's more, the it replaces postcards and real mail to people that you actually know in your life. Instagram influencers right now, the lowest in terms of what they mean that they've been in years. I saw Alan Bella 24-7 retweet that piece or retweet a piece about that earlier today. Social media, some are going up, some are going down, some are going obsolete. That's going to happen to streaming services too. Once MLB was a behemoth, right? And I spent most of the first 30 minutes of the show talking about, mm, I don't know that it's ever going to be able to come back because it can't create stars. Just because you were first doesn't mean you're going to be there forever. Alabama football is great right now. There will be a time when it's not great. There will be a time when the New England Patriots are no longer a dynasty. There will also be a time when Netflix is a relic. Just something to think about. Global Golf Radio, Barney Allery coming up next. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless and good night. On the-